Hello and welcome to The Life of a Scientist, the podcast where we interview scientists to find out how their life really works. I'm Bia. And I'm Bia. And we are two biomedical students from Portugal. During our first season, we will be exploring the conventional research career by interviewing scientists at various stages of academia. From master student to lab technician, PhD student, postdoc, senior researcher, all the way to principal investigator. Today our guest is Madalena Marques. She worked as a research technician in hematopoiesis for the Center for Cardiovascular Science at the Center for Regenerative Medicine at the University of Edinburgh, UK, and has just recently returned to Portugal. She got her bachelor's in biology at the University of Lisbon, where she also did her master's in evolutionary and developmental biology. Welcome to the life of a scientist, Madalena. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for the invitation. Excited to be here. So can you summarize your academic journey for us? Yeah, sure. So I've always been surrounded by science, but at first I was not drawn to bio biology at all. I started with trying to apply to veterinary medicine, but I didn't have a valid exam. So it was only a few days before the deadline to choose a university that I thought, why not biology? I like it and I'm not bad at it. <laughs> Uh, but the first couple of years were complicated. I didn't feel like I fit it in at all. I had to endure classes I did not like, even though now I see that they are important. Uh, but I still pushed through, and I'm glad I did. Um, because at the third year of my bachelor, I found something that I really liked and was interested in. And I found that I had the so-called scientific curiosity, that it was bubbling inside of me, and it was just an amazing feeling. And from that on... Uh, it has been a smooth drive. My goals have been set in stone. I went to do a master's as well at the same university. And then I also decided to do an Erasmus internship for the second year of my master's. And that's where I landed at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, COVID came in the middle of my stay abroad, so it was a bit chaotic. But I got so much from it and I'm so grateful. And that's how I got the invitation to stay as a research technician at the same lab. And yeah, I did. And now I'm back in Portugal. Can you tell us a little bit about the research you did as a technician? So at first, it was a bit of a continuation from my thesis work. Uh, but this time it was to incorporate in a scientific article that we had in revision in the lab. So the idea was just to increase numbers in the number of samples and experiments that I did. And also to test in vitro something that I'd found with my work. So that was something new. Um, but other than that, I also continue to work in other side projects, including a collaboration with Padova University in Italy and some other experiments that was to answer reviewers' comments in other papers that we had from the lab. So in the end, I was just doing things here and there for everyone, <laughs> uh, as long as I, uh, at the same time, I was also doing things for my own projects. Uh, I also did some work with a new mouse line, and my supervisor is now doing the last experiments while I analyze them remotely, because I'm still a volunteer uh, with the lab until the end of September. And hopefully we get a new article with this story sometime in the summer. Uh, I also had to a time to write an invited review article, but that is still in the oven. But that was more or less the work that I did as technician. That's a lot of work. <laughs> What were some of your uh, job responsibilities? Uh, so as a technician, I had to do everything technical, 
But lucky me, we were a small group, so it was not like I was doing a lot for everyone. And like I just said, I had my own projects and my own things to do at the same time I was doing other people's projects. But I managed to do all the mouse line uh, maintenance, including genotyping or checking if he had all the stocks or if he needed to order anything else and just whatever was needed of me. But it was not a typical technician job, like a nine to five job, because I stayed late sometimes and closer to the end, I also went a lot of weekends. Uh, but in summary, a technician job is to plan trials and experiments to conduct and support investigation and record and analyze data, which I did a lot of. Sounds like that's really useful for, for your future. Yeah. Like you, you got to work in a lot of different things, learn about a lot of different projects and learn techniques. Yeah. Uh, what did a typical day look like for you? So I said that it was not a nine to five job, but most of the times it was. So most of the times I got there at 9 a.m. and I left around 5 p.m. And what usually happened was waking up two hours before having to go in because it was a 40-minute bus drive. But that's where I just did something else than science, listen to podcasts or music or read a book. But then I would get to the lab, drop my things at the desk and just go straight in. And I usually plan everything the day before I go or as I long, uh, go along the week. So I know in advance exactly where to go, what to do and how long it takes me because I need to book facilities and sometimes talk with other people in other labs for collaborations or for help. So I usually have everything planned and I just go and do it. And in the morning, I usually start by doing some genotyping. And that's something that I did almost daily. So I just got the samples ready and did it. I would check myself if I had any in culture and treat them, or I would see if we have a new litter to do experiments because I did a lot of work with mice and sometimes mice don't breed or we don't have enough embryos or we don't have any mutants, for example, because I did a lot of work with mutants or we don't have internal controls and it, it has happened. So Working in science is a bit unpredictable and we just need to know how to get around it. And also your supervisor can just approach you out of nowhere and gives you something that needs to be done that day when your day is already swamped. But in a normal day, I'll do almost all I had planned. I have my lunch break. I do some analysis and I wrap things up and go home. How do you feel about working with mice? What's your opinion on that? Um, I'm quite fine with working with mice. I didn't do anything very invasive because I don't have my certification yet with for animal experimentation. But I dealt with them cured, so after being euthanized. And f for that, it was quite okay with me. I had to take the embryos out or do some bone marrow extractions once in a while, which for some people I think might be a bit scary or daunting. But... Because they were cute, it's not like I was feeling too stressed about it or like I was hurting them. But I think it's needed. Moving on, what were the biggest differences in the way uh, that science and research is done between Edinburgh and Portugal? Money. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like the facilities were similar between Portugal and Edinburgh. And the last internship I did was actually in Porto. 
in I3S, and I felt that the facilities were very equivalent. But the money, or in, in another words, the will to invest in science is completely different. Because when something is missing, we just go to stores and it's there. And that makes it a bit more stable. Even the support that the university gives to students is different and incredible. And just as a visiting student like I was, they gave me so support, especially with the pandemic. And that wouldn't happen in Portugal ever. <laughs> but you still need to apply to fundings and it does not stop being an uncertain profession. And it's still a roller coaster. So you have money, you get people, but then you lose money and the people and you get new money and you get more people. So it always goes up and down. Uh, but I felt that the research I did was only possible there. And if, if I were here, it would never be possible to produce so much data so fast and so easy. And what were the best parts and the worst parts of, about being abroad and working abroad? Um, I felt like the worst parts was uh, being away. And it's definitely hard to be alone all the time. But this year was an exception. So maybe my experience is not the best example, but it made harder to connect with people. And we used to have a lot of meetings, pizza journal clubs, monthly get togethers, dinners with the lab, and it just suddenly stopped. Um, and maybe because of that, I didn't get good opportunities to talk with other people in the building, only my lab mates. And outside of the lab, it was harder as well. But I managed, and I think uh, it gave me a lot of good things. So it overcomes this bad part. And it gives you new, new cultural experiences. And it's also good that you are in a country that speaks English. It makes your life easier. And it's a very enriching experience. And I definitely advise everyone to take at least a few months abroad and try it. But I, I don't think I'm tailored, tailored to work abroad, to be completely honest. So it was a good experience while it lasted. <laughs> Why do you feel like that, that you're not tailored? <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like there are those people that really want to go abroad, live abroad, and just connect easily with other people. And yeah, I just didn't feel like I was one of those people. <laughs> I really like my country and I want to bring... You definitely had a harder time. Yeah, and I I think I want to take what I learned abroad here, but stay here. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Like, I think, yeah, the, the pandemic made it all harder, obviously. Yeah, it's not for everyone. Yeah, definitely. But I think the pandemic made it a lot harder that you, you, you didn't get the chance to socialize outside of the lab. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With your colleagues and all of that yeah exactly just out of curiosity were your lab mates all from the uk or was it a more diverse nationally diverse uh, group it's changed during the time i was there so when we started we were about five people and it was three portuguese girls <laughs> imagine that <laughs> a colombian postdoc And we also had, it was from another lab, but he was a lot with us. It, he was Mexican. And another lab mate was Scottish, actually. And now our supervisor is Romanian. So it was a very <laughs> multicultural group. But then one of the Portuguese girls, she was doing an internship. So she ended it and left. 
Uh, and the other one was a PhD. She ended her PhD and now she's in America. Um, the postdoc that was uh, Colombian, she is now in Glasgow in another postdoc job. And then it was just me and the Scottish guy. <laughs> and it was only the two of us for a bit of time. And now when I was leaving, we had another student. She's British and also a French student. So they are still there. But it's what I was saying. The the lab changes with the amount of money you get as well. So when I got there, we had a lot of money. It was going well, but then it decreases. So it was just two of us for a while. And then it comes up. It sounds like an enriching environment. Yeah, it was really nice. A lot of different people from different cultures. Yeah. So what do you plan to do next now that you've come back to Portugal? Uh, so I just applied to two funding opportunities, um, so two, two fellowships, and now I basically wait. <laughs> But I refuse to stay still, so since, since September I've been giving tutoring classes online, and uh, that has been stealing a bit of my time, and I'm just sending CVs to some clinical labs to get an internship or at least something to get me busy in the next couple of months. But yeah, the next step is definitely a PhD or to still work in a lab and in, in research. It just might take a few months to get there. <laughs> But I'm very grateful to have this break. So it's also nice. And like I said, I'm still a volunteer with the University of Edinburgh. So I'm doing analysis here and there. But yeah, PhD, it's the next step. But you applied to work here in Portugal? Uh, yeah, so I applied to the 2021 call for FCT and also to the La Caixa Foundation Fellowship, both to do some work in Portugal and in a lab at EMEM that I've been talking with. So I wish you good luck. I also applied, so... <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> well, if I don't get any of these fellowships, I'll just apply to the doctoral program that EMEM has, their own program, but the problem is that's only in December. So it's a longer wait, but it's my third option. Mm -hmm. How did you choose your area of research and what is it about it that motivates you the most? Um, so I don't think I have a defined area of research yet. So in the third year of my bachelor and my master's, I specialized in evolutionary and developmental biology. And I really love the developmental biology part. So all the embryo and cellular stuff and also stem cell biology. And that's some of the topics that I worked uh, in Edinburgh, but within hematopoiesis. And hematopoiesis, for those who don't know, is the process of blood generation. And I hope to come back either to hematopoiesis or developmental biology down the road. But right now, I'm in awe with immunology. But I've never had an immunology course. But the project that I'm just building now with the team at EMEM It's around T-cells, and I don't know a lot about T-cells, but what is interesting is that I studied hematopoietic stem cells that are the cells that give all the blood and immune cells in an organism when I was in Edinburgh. And if you look at the hierarchy of the cell lineages, at the end, you have the immune cells, you have the T-cells. So for me, it's just still having the link with what I studied so far but it's just a bit further down the line until we reach these differ differentiated cells. And it really excites me and it has a strong link with translational science. And yeah, that's what motivates me the most at 
this point. I think the PhD is for us to learn, right? So I think it's cool that you're going into something different. Yeah, it's to get transferable skills. And I encourage anyone to try something different, even though it's a specialization. And you should do it in something that we like and that we want to follow. If it's in a different lab, but within the same topic, it's best. You'll get, you'll get to know new people, new techniques. You'll definitely learn new skills. And I think that's what a PhD is for, after all. So are there any research areas that you would like to work in or that you're interested in? Yeah, so like I said, I'm starting to like immunology. <laughs> but to be completely honest, I think I would like anything I put my hands on as long as there are cells and exciting things happening to me. So I think I would like almost every area of research. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's great. You you have a lot of a lot of opportunities and a lot of things that you can follow. Exactly. Yeah. Open all the doors. I'm more specific. I, I don't know. I started working on a specific thing and I really want to keep working on that specific thing. Yeah. Know? And I think sometimes it's a bit limiting for you. Um, um yeah, it can be. And yeah, there's so many cool things in science. Yeah, I think it's we have so much and so many different things that sometimes it's hard to pick one. I think that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I like everything and then it's hard to focus. But at some point I need to settle and to just go within one subject and not all of them. But I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> so when was the moment that you knew you wanted to do scientific research? Um, so that's a good question because I'm still not sure if I want research or not. And this is going to be a big rant about research now. <laughs> um, because I really liked working as a technician. Uh, I was doing the things I like and it really fulfilled me. I was just being hands-on on science. So I was doing all the things that I liked inside the lab and not bothering with articles, with writing reports, with getting a degree or having to focus on my studies. But at the same time, I still feel a bit stagnant because you can only go as high as a certain level with a technician job. And the highest technician level, at least in the UK, pays less than the first year as a postdoc. And as you go along with the postdoc position, you get paid more and more and more. So I was starting to feel a bit those two versions. Um, and with tutoring classes and supervising some students in the lab, I really got a taste for teaching and helping as well. So I was feeling a bit uh, doubtful about what to do next. And I enjoy more that part of things like teaching or doing the technical stuff than actually building a career to become a PI. And the traditional path of PhD postdoc PI does not make sense to me at all. Um, But I, I still chose to follow to a PhD because it will help myself a lot in many levels. And I think I need that now to learn more skills, to learn a different topic, etc. But I'm still very uncertain, for example, about the industry side of things because it, it's interesting, but it's so hard, it's especially in Portugal, that I, I don't know which path I would like. But I'm staying in academia for now. And I think um, words from my professors when I defended my thesis were very inspiring because they said, I hope you stay in academia because we need more people in academia like you. And I hope to see you as a colleague 
in a couple of years. And I think that really drove me to, to stay in academia. Um, but what I also wanted to say is that the scientific discovery, that the feeling of discovering things is amazing. And it's so rewarding to have this insatiable curiosity and to never want to stop learning or to have this scientific endeavor that works by an accumulation of little things that at first we're like, oh, it's not important. But then in the end, they, they complete each other. So if we lack direction, research can be misused and misinterpreted and it's hard. But if we have experienced people around us that will guide us through, it's just an amazing thing. And I think we need to skip past the part where the objective is getting peer-reviewed articles. That shouldn't be the pressure to move on and to get our science done. Um, but yeah, that's my opinion. But this is what wants me <laughs> and moves me to stay in research, I guess, at least for now. <laughs> I agree with a lot of the things that you said. Yeah, that's very inspiring. One thing that I wanted to comment on was like, I think one of the things that um, it's not that I don't like, but that uh, like keeps me from pursuing, for example, technician jobs. It's like, I don't feel like you have, I guess it depends on the lab, of course, but you don't really have the freedom to do your own projects and your own experiments. You're kind of working for other people in the lab. Is that something that bothers you or is it something that you really like that you don't really have that pressure to to have your own project? So I think I'm still a bit immature with my scientific thoughts. So I don't think I'm able to come up with my own ideas perfectly. Like I have random ideas of things that would be nice to, to, done, to be done for a project, but I still don't have that capability of thinking every step of the project and what to do and what not to do. But that's what supervisors are, are for after all. Um, so I quite liked being told what to do. But at the same time, I was starting to feel, like I said, stagnant. So I was not moving forward. It was just that. And I didn't have any freedom after all. But I, I was still lucky with the lab that I was in because uh, I got to do some stuff of my own as well but maybe because we are only two and then four people so it was not much uh but yeah i think that's the downside of having a technician job but it depends on the people some people really like that part and to not have to deal with anything else so i i guess it's a good job as long as you are happy with it and feel fulfilled with it yeah of course so we all know that often in research, things don't go as smoothly as we had planned. Uh, what helps you stay motivated during those times? Yeah, <laughs> you bet they, they don't. Uh, in science, it is very common. And in the end, we have a thesis or an hypothesis that we want to prove right. But not always things go according to plan. And sometimes our ideas or premises are not as strong and foolproof as we might have liked. And as a technician, because that's what we are talking here more than anything else, uh, what I felt that happened a lot was genotyping going wrong because it works when it wants to work. And sometimes I had to repeat the same analysis two or three times for no reason whatsoever. And it was a bit demotivating. 
Um, but what helped me stay focused on it or get the least motivation to get it done was just taking a deep breath and saying, you need to repeat this. You don't know what went wrong, but we'll just repeat. And it's easy to feel frustrated. And what helps is just backing off. Just get off the lab, go for a walk, detox, stop thinking about it. Because when you come back, you feel like, okay, this needs to be done. This doesn't make any sense. Let's do it. And it's just having this more relaxed thought about things. And it's not always your fault. So don't blame yourself and just repeat. And maybe it will work. Maybe you won't, but just just repeat. Don't don't kick yourself for it. Yeah, I think that's the most frustrating thing is that when you don't know what happened. For sure. <laughs> like when you, something goes wrong and you can figure out the mistake that you did, okay, you can just fix it and do it again and you can beat yourself off over the mistake that you did, but you just do it again. Yeah. When you don't know what happened, you're just, you just feel stupid. You're just doing stuff again exactly the same time, exactly, exactly the same way. And it's like... <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I remember being very upset with my genotyping sometimes. And it was my lab mate, David, the, the Scottish guy, uh, that was like, okay, but genotyping only works when he wants. And that's the truth. So you just repeat, do your best. And if it doesn't work, well, that's life. It didn't work. And he was always <laughs> relaxed about everything. And I, I guess if I didn't have him saying these very sensible things, I would just go mad. But yeah. Well, it's frustrating when you can't find a mistake, but most of the times it's just because it's science and it's not completely exact and the minor detail might change it. And yeah, it's a matter of just keeping yourself together and doing it again. <laughs> In my lab, the lab that I did my master thesis, we had um, saint figures. <laughs> like most of the people weren't even religious, but we had little saints that we moved around each bench like, So today you're having a bad day. Something's not working. You don't know how, why? Use the sign. <laughs> And we move the sign around. <laughs> It like, makes funny. no sense. Well, if you don't know what's, what's wrong, you should just, yeah, I guess, try. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was one of the ways we dealt with it. And I guess it helps a bit. Just, just have fun. <laughs> yeah, just move on. It's just moving on without thinking too much. <laughs> Okay, you already talked about this a bit on the differences between Portugal and Edinburgh, but would you like to comment on the lack of funding and instability that comes with a research career? So it's a worldwide problem and a key issue. So we shouldn't think that it only happens in some places, for example, here in Portugal and in our institutes that lie. It works to everyone all the time, and it's definitely my least favorite part working in science. Um, but because If we chose this path, it was not because of the money. And it's because we hope our will and curiosity will do something meaningful or at least uh, will uh, give us something to go on and to stop us from quitting the things that we've worked so hard to build. But I think it's very unfair. And I think science in general, not only the kind of science that uh, we do, needs more attention. And I was hoping that now under the light of the new pandemic, it will, it would, uh, but so far it hasn't, in my opinion. And this lack of support hurts. And it hurts not only us, the researchers, but it also hurts science itself and the advances that we could reach with science. And more than funding us, 
or that means paying us a salary, I think it's important to fund the ideas and the projects because without that, we can't do anything. And we won't help anyone and we won't find anything. And then we have the know-it-alls in the world saying, what about the scientists? And aren't they fixing this? And the answer is simple. No one wants us to because no one gives us the means to do it. And no matter how we look at it, the funding available is never enough and it always fails to cover the costs and this needs changing. But yeah, I don't know how, but I'll sure we work in, in finding a way because it affects me and affects my friends and colleagues. But yeah, I think, I think this needs changing. So uh, what's the most important lesson you have learned in your career so far? Um, I think the most important thing I learned is that there's always people that know more than you and that are wiser than you, but they, that doesn't make them better. They just have more knowledge and experience. So we'll get there eventually. And we should not compare ourselves to anyone uh, because we don't know what led that person through this path, what they experienced during their lives, what helped them shape who they are, uh, because we are all exposed to different stimulus and we have different personalities. And that's what is great about science as well, because it allows to have experts in different fields and to share different ideas. And it's just amazing. Because of that, we should not compare ourselves to anyone and we should not be consumed by imposter syndrome. And I have a lot and we shouldn't because we need to tie up our anxiety and just try our best in whatever way that is and not think that others are doing better because they aren't they are just doing different i like that quote they're not doing better they're doing different that's that's yeah. nice <laughs> it's being very inspiring <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that i really like at least of the labs that i've been to it's that i don't really feel the sense of hierarchy mm -hmm. There's a lot of different people with a lot of with different ages, different mm -hmm. skills, different uh, knowledge, of course. But I feel like I can I can, I can work with them and talk to them uh, the same that I would be with a colleague that's my age. And um, I think that's that's good environment in the lab that you feel comfortable enough. And of course, I know that if I have a specific problem or or a question or a specific thing, I'm gonna probably ask the oldest one. <laughs> but but I I don't feel like they put a wall between us, and I think that's nice. Yeah, I felt that uh, with my supervisor in Edinburgh as well. Uh, like we we text by WhatsApp. Me too, with my supervisor. And <laughs> yeah, and she's very nice, and she was always very open and friendly and but I've been in other labs where it wasn't like that and I was really put in a corner just because I, I was the youngest that didn't know anything and was just coming from a bachelor or in the still in the middle of the bachelor and I also don't think that treatment is right yeah also I think it's important to remember that we all have to learn we no one is born knowing everything so I think sometimes um, we think that we're not good enough because we don't know how to do something, but it's normal. We need to learn. And it's good that uh, there are supervisors out there who are willing and understanding enough to teach and be patient. <laughs> I think that's definitely one of the things that I want to, to, to make sure that I remember when I while I evolve and while I get older and get into 
like higher positions in my career because like I feel like the the best colleagues and the best supervisors that I've had are the ones that remember what it's like to be in our shoes and be uh, the youngest and not knowing stuff and doing silly mistakes. Yeah. So that's something I want to remember well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What are you most proud of in your career so far? Um, so this is actually a funny story that I'm about to tell. And it's quite recent and probably a lot of people don't know this about me, even my friends. But while I was in Edinburgh, I applied for a PhD there at the University of Edinburgh, just because. Uh, and I was invited for an interview. And I was quite relaxed, not putting a lot of effort, because I was just testing my limits, uh, learning how the process was and how I dealt with this kind of pressure. And I was not even sure if I wanted that project or not. So I was just like, eh, why not? And I ended up being the number one in the panel. And in the panel, we had the director of an institute and a specialist. And this was with neutrophils, so with inflammatory diseases. And I was just, oh, wow. <laughs> and I felt really good with myself. I felt like my efforts were recognized. But I actually ended up giving the the opportunity up and I think the important message message that I I wanted to say was I felt really proud about myself and it kind of um, fed my ego as well a little but I think it's important that we should not enroll in a PG or anything uh, unless we are ready and we are sure that is what we wanted uh, or what we want and I was just not feeling it and and that's okay even though I was number one it it, it was okay to say no. Um, but I still felt proud should. <laughs> of myself. And I, I think, yeah, probably the most proud moment so far. <laughs> we should definitely be proud. I think, yeah, sometimes we are our biggest enemies and we we don't actually know what we're capable of. So it's good that you're yeah, taking those challenges. Sure. I am, <laughs> yeah. And also uh, recognizing that you weren't ready and knowing that opportunity maybe would not be the, the right one for you. So I think you actually have two things to be proud of there. <laughs> <laughs> so you have participated in a lot of public outreach activities. What is your motivation for this? And why do you think this is important? Um, yes, I have. And I just love them. I love science communication and to engage the audience in whatever topic I have to share and to spread my fever for science. <laughs> and like I said, I also love teaching other people. And I also love scientific debates, usually as a spectator, but I, I, I love them. And for example, now every Wednesday after my dance classes, I watch a three hour debate se session about the nature of things. And this was started by a university professor I had in the first year of my bachelor. And it's just an amazing initiative and it feeds on our curiosity. At the same time, it fuels our curiosity. So it, it's really good. Um, but I just want to show everyone what science is and how amazing it can be in all its forms. And that's what keeps me motivated. So most of the activities I had uh, were promoting my degree, including sharing them my experience, and which was clearly not the best one or maybe not the easiest one, but show them that you don't have to be the best in class or to like every subject and that it's possible to reach your goals as long as you put your mind to it and share them the obstacles that sometimes you get, how to overcome them, or maybe just talk science. 
and just show them uh, in an easy way what this is all about. And I just, I really like that. And I wish I had that when I was younger. So maybe that's why I, I love doing it. Out of curiosity, what's the, um, the teacher that you're talking about? Professor Carlos Assis. Ah, yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, just to put people into context, we went to the same bachelor degree, uh, which is biology in school. And uh, the teacher was our teacher of history of ideas and science. Yeah, and uh, I found out this recently. This was only the third debate session that I went. But together with first, second and third year students and some older students. So there's like three people from our um, class and there's another guy that is completely over university for 20 years or more but he's still there and they are all so smart and they have amazing ideas and it, it's it's very interesting and we don't talk just science we talk everything we talk also historical events or we talk about the meaning of things the meaning of life sometimes it's very deep conversations but I, it's a lot of fun i invite you to come one day if you want <laughs> yeah you should send us a link or something or a website. I don't know if that's a thing of the event so we can link it so people can, can join if they want. I would like to. Sounds really fun. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are there any other scientists in your family? And what does your family think about your work? Um, so actually there is. I don't know how you guys came up with this question, but <laughs> my sister, my brother-in-law and his family, they're all biologists. Uh, <laughs> But in different areas. So my sister is an herpetologist and she works with natural collections, biodiversity and conservational biology. So she's more of a boot scientist while I'm more of a cult scientist. But that is nice. Um, and it would not be as fun if we like the same things. And this way she lets me in her adventurous field stories and I let her know about my dramas with cells not growing. Um, but since I was little, I helped her with some work at the museums um, and that was fun, but it was not really my calling. Uh, but I'm always eager to help whenever. And when I was 13, I actually helped her uh, with an academic project about environmental sensibilization about geckos. And I don't like reptiles, but it, it was fun back then. <laughs> uh, but overall, my family is very supportive. And they just pity the lack of funding, but they are insanely proud. And yeah, my mom is always proud to have two scientists <laughs> in her family. So yeah, that's, that's it's fine. That's great. Uh, and you, you usually talk about science with your family? I mean, obviously with your sister, but with your parents also? Do they like to hear about your work? Um. They do, but they don't really understand it. <laughs> I try to, to make it simple for them, but I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have is trying to break down our work to a simpler metaphor or analogy. But yeah, they like to hear it. My grandmother, for example, she doesn't know what I do. She's, she still thinks one day I will be a medic or a doctor. I'm like, no, but... I mean, it's a different time. But yeah, they like to hear it. I talk more with my sister, of course. But like I said, she's from a different field, so she doesn't know everything about what I do. But she still listens and gives her opinion. And yeah, it's nice. 
it's good that they support you yeah <laughs> yeah i think yeah. i think it's the same with my family that they they are really interested of course i have to try and simplify things a lot yeah but i find it really fun to to ask them what they actually think i'm doing and then trying <laughs> to explain it and they it's really fun <laughs> yeah for example i work with macrophages they can't even say macrophages they're always oh. saying the wrong name of the cell <laughs> they call it necrophages and i'm like no <laughs> that's funny yep yeah i think the the fact that they're interested and that it's yeah. support me and they want they want to know it, it's sweet as long as they know that it's science related i'm happy with that yeah uh so what do you like to do when you're not working to relax uh so just shut my brain and i'm a big apologist of having more than work and more than science and i don't want to be one of those that live for science only and let it consume everything. So some of my hobbies at the moment include learning a new language. I'm teaching myself uh, German. <laughs> It's been fun. And I also have my dance classes. Um, and I love to read as well or just watch movies and TV shows like the average young adult nowadays. And I think that's some of the things I like to do when I'm not working or just taking long walks. That's nice as well. What type of dance do you do? You do? Uh, I do ballet since I was 12. Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> so over 10 years now. It's not professional ballet, but uh, I really like it. Yeah, but I think most of the people that I know that have done ballet have stopped. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, right? So. Yeah, it is. And people something, sometimes don't give us the right credits for ballet and just think it's a easy dance and a dance that you do when you're four years old it's more than that <laughs> and I, I really like it it's nice because when I'm doing it's just me and Tchaikovsky or Bach in the background and I really like having the classical music behind it it's, it's nice it, it really helps me to turn off mm -hmm. everything else at least for an hour so yeah and I think we all need something like that in our lives If you weren't a researcher, what would you like to do? Mm, good question. Um, I really like history. And when I was little, I actually wanted to be an archaeologist or an anthropologist. But it, it kind of relates to science in a way, some of them. So maybe I would go through one of those paths. Or maybe, who knows, in a parallel universe, I would, after all, be a vet. Like I, I said that I was trying to be at first. Um, but overall, I, I think I would find a, a connection to researching, even if it was in history or with science as being a vet or, or archaeologist or paleontologist, something like that, you know. <laughs> I also wanted to be an archaeologist when I was a kid, so I'm, I'm with you. Yay! <laughs> I don't know, it's just so fun. <laughs> yeah. Getting to getting to discover ancient cultures and civilizations, I was so obsessed with that. Yeah, I was really obsessed with uh, Egyptology also. So, Ooh. but I think that connects to science. Like we like to be curious and learn new things yeah. and find things and yeah. discover exactly. things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's curiosity. <laughs> yeah. So, where do you see your career going in the future? Uh, what is your dream or your ultimate goal? Um, so I don't like to think about a defined path. 
So I don't really like to think what's ahead. I go step by step, as long as I feel happy and fulfilled. That's what counts for me. So right now, what I see is getting a PhD, even if it's this year or next year or whenever, and just doing it and having fun. Um, but of course, what I want and what's my dream, it's a bit cliche, but is that my research really makes an impact on someone, even if it's just one person, uh, because I'm very keen on making a change. Uh, so I think that's my dream, but I guess that's everyone's dream. <laughs> so it's a bit cliche, but it's what I feel. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm very, I think I'm very, I've always really liked translational research because yeah. of that, because I think... Mm -hmm. It gets to the clinic and to the people who need it faster. And of course, this applies for biomedical science, but there are yeah. other types of science that you can also have impacts besides health. But yeah, I, I feel the same way. But I, I don't think everyone's like that. No. But I think even if everyone's like that, I think it's a, a, good, a, good, a good reason to, to do science. I think it's yeah. a good intention. But I think a lot of scientists just, just like to, to find things and to yeah. discover new and things. It's... And they're not necessarily thinking about... Ahead, yeah. <laughs> and it's good that there's people that only think about that or only like to be in the lab and do stuff and find stuff. Uh, I think it's good to have this diversity. Otherwise, we would all do the same thing. Okay, last question: What advice would you give those that are at the beginning or that want to start a science career? Okay, this is going to be another monologue. <laughs> Um, so above all, don't give up, uh, no matter how hard things get, because there are plenty of paths you can follow with a science career. And just because you don't like this or that, you shouldn't give up. And I just saw a post a few days ago from a Science.com page on Instagram. So I'm going to give credit to that. It's at the lab notebook. And uh, she shows some stats about this. And most of the students that are interested in science it's in research, but they don't know that there's more than that sometimes. So only 30% of PhD holders stay in academia and only 80% of postdocs stay in academia. So after a PhD, not all people decide to stay. Some of them leave. And even though if you go more ahead for a postdoc, almost all of them stay in academia, only 10% or less end up going higher in their career. Um, so it's not the only way to, to do things. Uh, you can end up in medical affairs and as a project manager, science policy, medical sales, science communicator, industry, science illustrator, even journal editor, consultant, journalist. There are so many things um, that people sometimes only think about the PhD postdoc PI path. And that's not the default anymore. And having a career in science is the most flexible career there is. And it can also be the most rewarding because of that. And we should hold it as dearly as we can because we have the best profession in the world. So my advice is just don't give up. At least don't give up on it yet. <laughs> that's great advice. So for the last minutes of our interview, we like to play a game with our guests. Uh, today's game is Never Have I Ever, uh, and it's very simple. We give you a scenario and you tell us if it has ever happened to you or not. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. 
So, never have I ever broken something expensive in the lab. I have a lot of things. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell us about it? Or not really? No, I can. <laughs> so, the first things that I broke were probably not that expensive. It was just, you know, one of those flasks and it just fell on the floor. But it was a, a bit hazardous because there's glass everywhere. Um, but the very expensive thing I broke was, was a pipette, actually. <laughs> so it was a bit crooked. I was trying to <laughs> fix it, and it just bloop, it, it completely, it just went everywhere. And yeah, it's still broken. No one tried to fix it. Um, but my supervisor just said, it's okay. So it's okay. <laughs> and it was already crooked, right? So... It's not like yeah, it was a bit crooked, so it, it was, was not working before. well anyway. <laughs> so the next one is never have I ever thought about pursuing a completely different career. Um, I have, but I guess I always come back to the same. But I, I've I've thought about it and especially when I was at the beginning of my bachelor, I thought I was not good for biology because <laughs> I was not very interested at first and the subjects were not very interesting to me most of them and I was a bit eh, maybe maybe I should do something else but then there is not anything else that makes me feel as fulfilled as science so I think I'll stay <laughs> yeah our, our bachelor was really broad we had a lot of planned yeah. subjects so I guess for someone yeah. that then wants to do biomedical research I feel you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I was very bad at chemistry and mathematics, so having that in the first year was just, no, leave me be. <laughs> um, and it was a bit demotivating. Uh, but yeah, when I got to the classes that I liked, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Never have I ever felt like I needed to work harder because I am a woman. Oh. Yeah, a little bit, um, but at least in my in the lab that I was in, in Edinburgh, I didn't feel like that inside our own lab because it was the opposite. We were all women and there's only one guy. Uh, and even the supervisor was a strong uh, female role model. And she's actually amazing. She's done so much and she's so hard work working. She's the breadwinner of the family. and. She just put so much into it. So it was very nice to have that role model nearby. But I clearly felt that there's still a, a big uh, inequality. And along with the funding opportunities, we need to, to get that sold <laughs> and changed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, never have I ever had to pull an all-nighter to work. Um, actually, no. And I think that's because I'm very organized. Good. Um, so even during my bachelor and master's, I never had to stay up all night to finish something or to study for something. But that's not the case for everyone. I just think I'm very stubborn and um, I demand a lot of myself. And sometimes that's not good, but that gets me to get things done on time as well. Uh, so I think at the lab, the latest I've been in was like, eight something and it was just maybe once or twice and sometimes not because of me because something 
was delayed or it's mice so you don't control them and yeah working at home usually the, the past midnight my brain shuts and I can't so I just leave it for another day if I can and if I can't I, I usually do it before but if I can't I I still shut my brain because I, it's not going to come well that's good maintain your work-life balance yeah exactly <laughs> don't lose it yeah. <laughs> last one Never have I ever been caught singing in the lab. Oh, oh, I have. I'm always with headphones. I listen to music and sometimes it's not quietly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have. <laughs> but funny story. I have caught my colleagues as well. And they were singing Frozen. So I guess I win in that part. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more embarrassing for sure. Yep. <laughs> And that concludes our interview. Hope you had as much fun as we did. Uh, are there any social media or uh, initiatives that you would like our listeners to know about so that we can link in the description? Um, well, I don't have anything of my own, but I follow a lot of science communicators page, pages. And maybe I can share with you some of my favorite ones. And I think it's very important to just keep an eye on that because you learn a lot about a lot of different subjects. And the people I follow are usually working very different things. And that's that's important to just know a little bit of everything. And yeah, I can share some of those. We'll link them. And also the, yeah. also the initiatives that you talked about, the debates and... And also the initiatives that you're part of. So thank you for sharing your experience with us. And we hope to continue hearing about your work in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me.